This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking Twitter again today. This is the second of a series of Twitter podcasts we're doing in uh, 2017. Joining us today, Ollie Wilton, Head of Sports Partnerships at Twitter Australia. Hi, Ollie. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. That's all right. That's all right. Now, you've been, um, you've been at Twitter for a little while, haven't you? Yes, I've done, uh, just coming up to four years at Twitter. Yes. So uh, we were sort of first on ground back in 2013, and then I spent the first sort of three and a bit years working on the sort of brand side of things, so working as part of the sales teams, brand strategy, brand development, and then I've been in the current sports job um, just under five months now. Okay, okay. And what was your background before you um, before you signed on at Twitter? What did you do? I started life as a digital copywriter down at Expedia, um, and then I've been sort of agency side of the tracks for a long time. So I've run social media departments in advertising agencies. Uh, I was doing over that over here up until 2013, um, and for. Two of the sort of previous years, I had become Twitter's first and biggest customer in Australia. Oh, really? So I'd started working with them from the other side of the fence uh-huh. and sort of bringing their products over here, um, taking it out to my clients for yep. like sort of Combank and Vodafone. Um, and then we just built up a relationship from there. So when they decided to set up a local shop, I threw my hat in the ring and here we are. So you're a bit of an advocate? Of the platform? Yeah, very much so. Um, It was a really good grounding going out and sort of working on the other side of things because I was taking Twitter out to partners and advertisers and sort of evangelizing it. Yes. Being part of a very small team when we first started, I think there was four of us when we first kicked off, you had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. So one day I was a sales guy, the next day I was a brand strategist, and then a big part of my role was evangelizing, going out talking events, going out meeting partners and clients and uh, explaining the benefit and potential of Twitter and um, sort of deconstructing the platform for them. So, yeah, it was a really exciting time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, socials, you've been... You're a big. Do, do you use other social platforms? Are they sort of in and out? I mean, yeah. I'm, this sounds a bit sycophantic, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Twitter guy. Uh, it's it's such a simple tool, but people yeah. use it in a sort of a million different ways. Mm-hmm. And once you've got used to a platform where it's people saying, "Hey, look at this! Look at this interesting thing I found," rather than talking about themselves, it's quite hard to go back. And it's sure. it's yeah, it's a, it's a very sort of regular occurrence for me. It's how I stay in touch with my dad back in the UK. Um, he's okay. a big DM guy. It's how I'm a bit of a news and trivia junkie, so I stay on top of that. And this job, I mean, sport never really sleeps, and you have to have a pretty sort of broad reach and understanding of what's going on around the world. So there's no better place for that than Twitter. So yeah, yeah I, I'm present on the others from a sort of competitor angle and from sort of keeping in touch with other people in different ways but Twitter's my sort of mainstay Yeah, now the role of, uh, tell us a little bit about the scope of your role looking after sports partnerships, what sort of stuff do you do? Yeah, so it's my role to go out and work with anyone from the um, organisations from the leagues, from the broadcasters teams down to the talent and then sort of the media around that um, sort of side of the business and it's my job to go out and work with them and sort of bring them as close to their fans and their customers as possible, and then in reverse, bring the fans and sort of followers and um, sort of sport-loving Australian public as close to those organisations and leagues as they can. So it works in a couple of different sort of uh, verticals that... Part of what I do is going out and helping them gain the reach they need. So making sure they've got the latest tools, the best practice, they understand um, what's available as a platform and where we're going to make sure their tweets go as sort of far and fast as they possibly can. Then um, a big pillar of what we do is innovation. Mm-hmm. So it's not just 
how can we solve your Twitter problems? It's bring your organizational problems, bring your business problems or challenges, and then see what we can do. We've got a great data team. We've got a great brand strategy team, and we love solving problems in innovative ways. We've got an incredibly diverse sort of creative canvas on Twitter. We're very sort of flexible. We love changing and breaking things. So a big part of what we're doing is keeping up this solid reputation we've got as being a real innovative marketplace in Australia. And then increasingly, um, a lot of what I do is around revenue. So yes. we've got great partners who bring amazing content to the platform every single day um, and have been doing it for sort of free for a long time. So now we're introducing tools and sort of revenue share agreements to make sure they can monetize their content, which also allows them to amplify it and take it out to a bigger audience. So it's, it can be all three of those things at once. They're not mutually exclusive. Some people I work out of one of the three. Sometimes when we sort of go really deep with partners, all three of those things come together. Okay. I'll dig into a couple of those things you've just mentioned as, sure. as we get through this podcast. Um, you and sports, wh- what sort of got them to think you'd be good for sport and what was the detraction to you of working in sport? Yeah. Well, when we first started up Twitter Australia over here, um, I used to go out. We had a, another guy, Jono, who was running all our sports yep. partnerships. So Jono um, Simpson? Jono Simpson, yep. yeah. So he did his four years and uh, he's now sort of moved on. Yep. Um, I was happy to jump into his shoes pretty quickly. But we did a lot of meetings together because sports always been a passion of mine. So I saw a big opportunity if we were going to crack the Australian market is we had to speak the language of sport. It's mm-hmm. something that touches everyone in this country. They're fanatical. They're passionate. And Twitter makes a huge amount of sense to sort of sports teams, organizations and fans. We see some people just use Twitter for live sporting events or to follow their favourite athletes. So we used to go out in a lot of meetings together and I was always quite jealous of him with his takeaways and what he got to do after them. Um, and being sort of British, coming over here is I, sport was a complete sort of obsession of mine back home. I'm a okay. big rugby and soccer guy and I love my cricket. So it's been really exciting. I've lived here for seven years sort of getting up to speed with how you do things over here and uh, yeah, it's been fantastic getting my sort of education in AFL and sort of rugby league and how you guys do things a bit differently over here. Yeah. You like your cricket. You'd be very excited about the prospect of um, uh, the uh, Ashes Tour coming up this year and the, the English might get here and they might be like a C-grade Australian team. Yeah, exactly. They'll be playing. So, you know, the, yeah. if, if you now's a good time to be betting on England. I Dust off your spikes. So, it, yeah, <laughs> anyone's up for grabs. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not been the easiest season for me. I'm a Souths fan, a Swans fan and a Waratahs fan. So okay. the first half of the season hasn't been particularly plain sailing, but... Yeah. yeah, who's your EPL team? Have you got a- uh, Liverpool. Yeah, yes. okay. So okay. We just, just here recently, of course. Yeah. yeah, came good at the end. So. Yes, yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. Um, I'm interested in some of the... Um, just, just talk to us about some of the best-case examples of people who, who really use, um, in, in your field, sport in Australia, yeah. maybe uh, some of the teams or the uh, codes that you think you know, best show off what, what Twitter can be used for. Well, while we're talking about Cricket Australia, I think they do a phenomenal job and they're held up globally as sort of best practice. They've really supercharged their digital uh, offering the last couple of years particularly, haven't they? Absolutely, and they're very smart in terms of how they've sort of structured their rights and held on to as much of that as they possibly can. Uh-huh. But the thing they do that I think is most powerful is they talk like a fan and they don't just wait till Australia's playing cricket. Cricket's happening all around the world sort of all throughout the year and they know that their followers and their fans aren't just interested in the cricket or the Australian cricket sure. team they're fans of the sport so they cover everything that's happening around the world all the women's league increasingly which is a huge growth area for them and for us on Twitter um, and they talk like fans they mix in sort of news light hearted they have opinions um, and they 
they sort of put a bit of heart into it and a bit of soul into it and that gives it a bit of personality which sort of reacts with fans and causes them to engage and retweet it and take it to a bigger audience um, in terms of uh, the NRL and AFL obviously do a fantastic job in terms of always on you can pretty much follow a whole weekend of sport just by following their Twitter feeds if you can't get in front of a telly um, and they're innovating all the time I mean, for League, uh, State of Origin this year uh, the NRL actually produced 123 bespoke gifts from classic origin moments and then started tweeting about it and pushing it out ahead of time so people could load up on those gifts so when the games were actually happening and the build up and the fallout they were armed with something sort of rich and compelling to actually tweet out and engage with that conversation so we're seeing great constant innovation from those guys and their fantastic partners um, and then down to athlete levels, I mean, I think Daniel Ricciardo is fantastic mm-hmm. on Twitter. He's very raw. His personality shines through, whether it's doing a shoey with Patrick Stewart or after he won in Azerbaijan um, last uh, weekend. Some of his tweets off the back of that were fantastic. And it, you could tell they hadn't been for a filter. And it was just him enjoying himself and sort of having a stream of consciousness and sort of peeling that into Twitter. Um, and then people like, I think Mitchell Johnson does a good job on Twitter. He's not particularly sort of outspoken in, in producing original tweets, but he reacts to fans and he reacts to organisations. He's very sort of dry and sort of pithy on there. Um, Dangerfield does a good job. If you have yep. a look down his yep. feed, he sure. does everything from gifts to videos to images okay. to just sort of pithy little captions, and he really takes advantage of all the sort of different sort of creative elements we've got on the platform. Um, and then when you have a look down to like someone like Andrew Bogut, <laughs> who uh, has very little filter on the platform and lets people know exactly what he thinks. And, yeah. and that's great for Twitter because that's what people come to it for. They can read press releases or they can see polished press conferences in a million different places, but getting that raw outburst of, sort of emotion and viewpoint, Twitter's the world's biggest collection of ideas and sure. viewpoints. And we get these great Australian sports stars chipping into that. And then when you go internationally, I, I think if you have a look at the Golden State Warriors, they, they're best in class for me in terms of just how much they tweet and how they understand the fans and how they... It's very much a two-way conversation. And then some of the stars were there, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Durant uh, took on some fairly uh, opinionated users on there in a fantastically positive way. We see Steph Curry before each game just do the same simple tweet, lock in Dub Nation, and that does amazing retweets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw something like uh, Sean Lynch from the Seattle Seahawks actually retired on Twitter. He announced his retirement at halftime in the Super Bowl two years ago just by sending out a simple tweet of his cleats being hung up. So, yeah, it's, it's that sort of access and that sort of behind the scenes and real-time content that you can't really get anywhere else. Yeah, the, um, yeah, you mentioned some of those Aussie sports. Um, you know, the AFL has a massive sort of media department. They do some good work. And I think the NRL is sort of rebuilding theirs and they're going to be investing a lot more money in, in what they do with, with their sport. But I think um, and NRL, for me, really does well. Some of the graphics and the... I mean, we do a lot of um, uh, sporting... TV results, the ratings, yep. we, we sort of flood our Twitter feed with that on weekends, gets us really good engagement with, with, our, with our audience. And um, the NRL is the best provider of, I love those graphics that have the score of a game, that they get them up, which is something that really, I think, translates well for people when you're quickly looking for results. Uh, absolutely. Which the AFL did that for a while. They stopped 
doing it for a while, they're back onto it this season, yep. which I love. So I think things, little things like that are, are just really important and probably shouldn't be overlooked. And a lot of that comes down to what we call planning for the moment. Mm-hmm. Because Twitter is real-time and looks spontaneous, you can actually do a lot of legwork ahead of time. And that's yep. what the NRL does fantastically. They've got all this data, all this information they know people will be interested in if they package it up in the right way. They've got the bunker. They've got all these different feeds okay. and viewpoints coming in. So they prepare those templates. They get those gifts out ahead of time. So yep. when the moments do unfold on Twitter, Chuck they're Chuck the score there. in and publish and away you go. Away they go. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and without, maybe you don't want to name specific ones, but do you work sort of behind the scenes with particular sports people and helping if they show some interest in sort of maybe turning them into power users, if you like? Is that sort of assistance there if they want it? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's not the most scalable part of our business, so we'd love to go out and do sessions with every athlete in Australia, sure. but it's just sort of yeah, yeah. myself doing this for now yeah. Um, but yeah absolutely there's a, and the nice thing is there's a lot of users who um, have come back to the platform since we've made a lot of recent changes and made it a lot more visual and we've, we're growing and we're getting a lot more sort of smart integrations with TV so they're seeing this as what lives on Twitter doesn't just live and die on Twitter it can go a lot wider so we're having quite a few um, Olympians come back to us at the moment with a view to the Commonwealth Games coming up okay. and we're running sessions with them in terms of how to get the most out of the platform how to tell your story and now a lot of the sort of ex have got different agendas. They're involved in different charities or different organisations or they're starting media careers. So it's not just them talking about as an athlete. They can actually touch on lots of different things that are important to them. So, yeah, we do run sort of masterclasses if people reach out to us or we sure. go and sort of work with individuals. Or you work with a, with a code or something and, and they can share those learnings you give them Exactly. That's, that's a more realistic way to do it. That's the, the more yeah. we do. We work with the teams, get that installed, and then they can trickle it down throughout their organisation. Sure. Although I'm sure if Patrick Dangerfield rang up, you'd probably... We'd have a beer, <laughs> you'd, yeah. spend a, yeah. you'd spend a few minutes on the phone with him if, yeah, if you wanted to. Mate, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although he might have a few tips for us. He's such a good practitioner. Yeah. Tell me, if I asked you about sports that sort of bat above their average, if you'll excuse the sporting um, pun there, in, in terms of maybe use the platform well... Um, uh, and the bigger, almost better social media users than the size of their sport is. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like I know more obscure sports that, that really do well? Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at uh, some of the motorsports, they okay. do a fantastic job. I mean, Channel 10 is a great partner in terms of that. And they, again, they wrap up their content incredibly well. They understand that if you're following them on Twitter, you don't need to speak to them like they're a lightweight, casual fan. You can get right into the weeds on it, and you can talk to them about the stuff that they get really passionate and excited about. I think Netball um, are sort of coming into their own. They've started to okay. sort of produce a lot more sort of um, engaging so content. They had that new national code this year, didn't they? The, yeah, and there's a couple yeah. more new tournaments coming up later okay. on in the year, which are going to lead more towards the sort of um, big bash style field, which mm-hmm. is drives a lot more conversation because it's very much in the moment and happening and moving a lot faster. And then if you look a little bit further down the ladder, things like surfing, which is a huge participation sport in Australia. And because it's such a visual sport, it lends itself very neatly to Twitter. So some of the sort of live streams, the live highlights they put up there, you can pretty much follow a high, whole surf comp. You can have it Fox... Um, channel running in the background and then twitter in your hand keep coming up get those sort of replays in real time and on demand sure sure interesting stuff the i know you mentioned the um uh, different the changes that have been made one of the big focuses i think at uh, twitter is streaming our uh, live content yeah and uh, tell me now sports part of that 100 um 
A, a great example, and one I should have mentioned in the previous question in terms of uh, an organisation or a league that bats above our average is eSports. Okay, so yeah, it, it's, it's trickling over into the mainstream now when you yep. talk to most sports marketers or so marketers Channel 7 started to get into that. Yeah, they've, they've launched their show, um, uh, Game Play... Uh, Doesn't matter what we're yeah, Excuse yeah, yeah. me, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that uh, they've got Clive uh, Dickens down there sort of pushing a lot of that pushing stuff. Pushing that. He it? understands the space, and it's an audience that you can't traditionally reach through a lot of channels, I mean, you might not be able to get in front of. And they've got they've naturally flocked to Twitter for years before we started talking to them because it's okay. this open channel. People are playing the same games sort of internationally. Um, and we work, do a lot of work with uh, Riot Games, who um, own League of Legends, which is the biggest participation eSport. And that drives huge amounts of conversation. They run their own DM groups. They huddle around in the conversation. And again, because of the open nature of Twitter, they can find other people interested in these sports who they've never met in real life. There's no request to follow or... Um, to be followed back but they can just engage when these tournaments are happening and uh, about a month ago we actually ran our first full live experience for them so um, League of Legends ran something called League of Origin which they had teams from Queensland New South Wales and Victoria and New Zealand and they actually played off in a sort of state of origin uh, tournament and we actually ran 18 hours of live footage (laughs) um, on Twitter and the numbers were phenomenal it went off the chart and the conversation was phenomenal and it's something we see with a lot of live sports we saw it with Melbourne Cup when we streamed it back in last November, that when you have the content and commentary in the same place, they have this really nice symbiotic relationship. But the more people who are watching the live content come through on the platform, the more people who start tweeting about it. The more people who start tweeting about it, the more of their followers who actually sort of follow the path and come back and start watching that content live on Twitter. So it's, yeah, it's a really exciting opportunity for us. It's always been uh, sort of a, a live platform. It's always been sort of a stadium in your pocket. But now we've got to the stage where we're not going in and competing with sort of the big rights owners. We're not going up against the Telstra's of the world and the Fox Sports of the world and the Optuses, the guys who have these big sort of rights agreements. We're trying to be complementary. We're trying to take their content to a bigger audience and maybe an audience who they wouldn't find through their traditional pay subscriptions or they wouldn't find who are tuning into TV on a sort of Saturday night to watch the game. Suddenly we can find these people in a mobile-first environment and somewhere they can get sort of an almost an alternative commentary and have their voice heard. Yeah, and it's a way to market too for some sports that maybe haven't had um, broadcast coverage who, who get overlooked by the major networks or even Fox Sports. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a low cost. There's no big uh, barrier there, is it, if they want to talk to you and, and do some deal about getting some of their content Absolutely. up on the platform. Yeah? So we can do it in a partnership, or we've got a tool called Periscope Producer, mm-hmm. which means they can pretty much just jump on and be streaming in HD straight live into tweets. Okay. And especially when we talk about sort of the esports side of things and the younger generation, they're all really comfortable doing that themselves and broadcasting their game playing mm-hmm. or broadcasting their own sort of highlights and sort of pushing it out to the world. So we're just trying to make it as frictionless for them to take that live experience out into Twitter. Yeah, yeah. The... Um what are some of the, I guess, is the sports traffic obviously is significant on weekends, yeah? That's when it's, that's the sort of serious business when a, when a lot of the events are live. Yeah, I mean, there's a, like, there's a build-up. So yeah. the conversation starts on Twitter a lot longer before the first bounce or kickoff. As soon as team news is announced, say we see okay. it in Origin a lot, as soon yeah. as the team news comes out, that sees our first spike in conversation. And then there's movement around that and then people start getting excited. So there is a pretty sort of, big build up in terms of where the conversation comes and then there's a sort of spike as, as the competitions happen but it differs in different sports something like AFL where there's so much action 
and um, so many sort of goals kicked and so many points sort of happening that it's actually it's actually hard to sort of live tweet and go along with it. But soccer is uh, there's sort of fewer big sort of spike moments, so there's a lot more conversation around that. So we see people react and sort of tweet more actively depending on the sort of sport they're watching. Okay. This one's always interested me. Hashtags. Yes. Is there a Twitter sort of standard um, for for if you do a hashtag for a match or a game or something? Talk us through that because there do seem to be different variations. And And, and that's the sort of the big issue is the variation (laughs) because uh, hashtags are designed to sort of organise a conversation, to bring all these disparate um, tweets into a single place where you can watch an event unfold sure. and get the full picture from sort of 360 degrees on it. So it's, not, it's just about being consistent. And we s- sometimes see with brands and leagues and organisations that they'll try and make it a bit elaborate. They'll try and put maybe a sponsor's name okay. ahead of the hashtag. And that sort of alienates you a lot. You discourage of that, I guess? because We it, want them to use the hashtags that people are naturally going to use. Yep. So hashtag origin. So no one else is going to want to have a hashtag with a sponsor's name in it. Well, no one's going to use it. No. No one's going to go out there. It's not a particularly branding. So experience. you could put that in your tweet if you wanted, but maybe no, don't put it in your hashtag. Yeah, right? it just gives you a way to really credibly enter a conversation, mm-hmm. and that tweet can have whatever sponsor's content you want. But you want the vast majority of people who can sort of organically use it in a tweet so it makes sense semantically you don't want something that takes up half your tweet count and you have to sort of remember what it says um, so it has to either just be about the code or they're pretty standardised now so you see all the NRL and AFL games have their X team versus the abbreviations X team. for yep. each team the That's first team's usually the home, the home team, team in the clash is that right? same as you'd see in the top right hand score yes. score box on when you watch it in broadcast so right, yeah okay. that's the format that pretty much everyone's expected and then when it gets around to your world cups or your state of origins or your lions tours then you're fine to include one sort of tour or event hashtag that loops them together but we wouldn't recommend more than sort of two or three hashtags per tweet sure. basically you're just giving people an opportunity to click away to a conversation you may no longer be part of so yeah. make them clear make them easy to use and then just make them consistent and that the best way to start is to see what people are already using and then see how you can bring that into your brand and don't overthink it because that's what you want. You just want the biggest sort of collective conversation, the biggest sort of collective intelligence using the same hashtag. The, and for a lot of international um, fixtures, particularly in cricket, um, there's the three country code abbreviation is usually um, yep. the hashtag and again the home team will be first They're and then, pretty- then you use the V or is it sometimes people drop the V sometimes? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty standardised. Um, and we see a lot of sort of the social media managers, marketing managers, will have that conversation ahead of time because yes. having two opposing teams both using the same hashtag becomes sort of greater than some of their two parts, if you know what I mean. That conversation will become a lot bigger as long as they're both being consistent. So uh-huh. we see something like the... The Lions tour, we had the All Blacks and the Lions both sort of agreeing on mutual hashtags they were going to use in order to get both of their audience to use it to make that noise a lot louder. Okay. Sports emojis. Yes. Um, first of all, the country flags, are they always there if you've got a hashtag or not? They only, they're only there for certain yeah, times? Yeah, we, we turn them on and off for certain events. Okay. So um, it's something we do with our partners. So right now... Um, up the Blues and Queenslander have their okay. own sort of hashtags, and then um, hashtag Origin has its own uh, emoji during um, the couple of days either side of match times. And then something like the Rugby League World Cup, 
each country will have its own sort of okay. emoji that might be something that represents them or it might be a flag we like to leave it pretty open and again the lions now if you use hashtag um, all blacks you get a little guy doing a haka and then if you do hashtag um, uh, lions nz 2017 you get a little lions jersey so it's something that we um, bring in and out and we don't tend to leave them on sort of season long because it is a bit of an engineering drain on us having sort of all the emojis sort of coming and going so oh, understood. we tend to do them around the big events yeah and where's the best place for people to check on that if they want to know? So is there a place they can go? Is there a Twitter sort of... There's a Twitter blog. So yep. anytime we release a new uh, emoji, we have a sports blog. So oh, it's a sport, dedicated sports yep. blog, yeah. And okay. we did probably the most recent ones. Um, and we follow Twitter Sports, at Twitter Sports AU. Okay. Um, we recently launched some for the Australian women's cricket team, the first time that female athletes had their own sort of personal emojis, which was great for us, and it's great to see them going such good guns. Um, but yeah, the, we've got a Twitter blog, we've got a Twitter sports blog, but I think at Twitter, at Twitter Sports AU is the best place. Yeah. You, you've mentioned the Lions a couple of times in this discussion. I've been lucky enough, I've just spent uh, a few weeks working from the UK. Fantastic. And I just couldn't believe how big that story is in the UK, the Lions. I mean, it's front page news. Well, it's just, it's, just their performance. I, I've never really appreciated it from here, yeah. you know, how, how big that Lions um, tours are back in the UK. Well, it's, you have to sort of understand the it's very rare that we get a chance to all come together yeah. as Great Britain and Ireland. Hmm. That rarely happens. Usually in the current political sphere, there's never been felt quite so divided and people moving in separate locations. So it's so nice for England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales can all have something together and collective to cheer about. And all the teams have been very well represented. They've all um, pulled together. And it's, yeah, it's almost like an all-star team that we only get the treat of once every four years. And hmm. the chance to play the All Blacks only comes around once every 12 years and yeah. growing up in the UK and Ireland the All Blacks were our Brazil yes, everyone okay. looked up to them they were this mystical team that everyone right. was fascinated yeah. about and yeah. they sort of transcend normal rugby fans the, the hark is so magic the whole atmosphere and everyone knows what a sort of important imposing sort of mystical team the All Blacks are so yeah it's great that you got to see it sort of first hand mm. I was lucky enough to go over um, two weeks ago for the first test okay. so we didn't get a result but it was phenomenal out there. It was so well-natured and the locals, the, all the kids were so happy to have the Lions in town and so excited. And it's, it's an incredible sporting atmosphere because you'll get a six-year-old kid tell you that um, they're, they're going to run rings around you for the X, Y, and Z reason. And then you'll have an 80-year-old lady telling you your pack's not up to scratch. And it's just such yes. a knowledgeable team out there. And, it's, it's, yeah, it's been an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, and I guess this tour is timed perfectly for the UK because the... The football season's over there, yeah. and uh, cricket's on, but cricket's not as not a giant sport for, for yeah. media coverage, really, in the UK. And um, but yeah, just I couldn't believe it. Just live crosses to training through all the news bulletins, you know, while they're in New Zealand, live in the news uh, updates, um, and when the games are on, even the non-rights holders are updating the audience every time there's a score change, and it's just yeah. incredible. You know? And we've actually got a chance. The papers to are all over. There must be a massive press pack touring with the English, the Lions over there. Well, that's a just... pretty good junket, I imagine. Like, you're not going to turn that one down, especially if they're only down there. What every twelve years exactly. as you said so yeah. yeah it's a bit of a rarity isn't it um the tell me about the demos of sports fans are, are there is there a sort of the the sort of uh, presumption might be that it'd be mainly guys in their i don't know what early 30s something like that late 20s is that 
is that um, a misconception on my part, or is there? I know that's. I mean, that's always going to make up the bulk of it. But okay. we actually skew quite a lot younger, especially okay. when we see we bring live sporting events and live updates to the platform. We're seeing that's how people are more comfortable hitting that younger demographic. We uh-huh. probably the guys who are engaging and interacting with sporting content on Twitter skew a fair bit younger than the traditional guys who are watching NRL, AFL at the at the stadiums or sort of on TV. So you'd probably be surprised about the, how young we skew in terms of that. And in terms of demographics, being Australia, it's pretty much 50-50. So we see some of our most vocal sort of sports fans are actually from sort of female Twitter users. So, right. yeah, it's probably one of the few countries in the world where we're pretty split in terms of um, the sexes. And then, yeah, we skew quite young. Yeah, okay. Um, administrators, do... Do, is there a sort of, do they find a reason to sort of um, reach out to on there? It's not just all about the teams and the players and, um, I, 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 yeah, just people running the sports behind the sports bodies, do they, you know? Because um, you talked about that, that cricket. Is there like um, Cricket Australia, do they have a more formal sort of um, yeah, they Twitter have, feed as well as the sort of they do. The they, fans? They sort keep of it separate. So they have yeah. um, a cricket feed. I can't remember it off the top of my head, sure. but it's more of a newswire. Okay. So it's more sort of press releases, it's official information. It's, yeah. um, it's quite busy at the moment, <laughs> I'm sure, because uh, the cricket fans don't need sort of too much information around sure. that until it's sorted, but yes. they need to be kept informed. So they do throw to it every now and again. So there is a more sort of formal way of getting it out there. And you'll still get people using Twitter as its sort of traditional PR channel and a good way to sort of get information out sort of ahead of the curve. Um, so, yeah, we, we work with a lot of teams. We work with media relations teams. We work with uh, legal teams. We work with um, marketing teams. And we work with the guys who are actually getting the people out onto the pitch. Yeah. And in terms of fans, too, you, it's, sometimes you, um, you see fans. There's lots of different levels of fans, isn't there? There's people who want to almost set up themselves as a, as a quasi sort of, um, I don't know, um, platform for that sport and you sort of sometimes look at the handle and you think oh I wonder if that's official or not and which is where the blue tick comes in useful I guess yeah it separates these sort of official apart from the super fans but I guess a lot of those super fans are encouraged because they still do promote the sport yeah I mean the verification of a blue tick is designed to avoid anyone um, being confused into the official personalities Uh so they know this is an authority figure they know they're tweeting or engaging with someone who's the person it was meant to be so Um, we, we use that process just to sort of validate their sort of um, appearance on Twitter. And then also any journalists or people in sort of your industry who have got a voice and got a, need to have a sort of trusted source of information. Um, but, yeah, we actually see uh, a study came out last year in terms of where the most passionate fans go. And although we don't have the scale of Facebook um, or the scale of sort of Instagram, we do have the most passionate sports fans coming to Twitter because they know they can watch eight games at once and they know they can have their voice heard and they know that Twitter gives everyone a voice. So we do see, in terms of the most passionate fans, that skews really heavily towards yes. Twitter. Yeah. Now, I sort of hesitate to ask you this next question because I think there's a lot of media beat up around it, but I've got to mention the word trolls. And because, I mean, but like if there's an angry talkback caller on radio, yeah. people put up with it. But if it's someone... You know, has a different opinion on Twitter. They're sometimes branded a troll. You go, well, hang on a minute. So, so but then there are nasty people that, that, that you don't. What's your advice to maybe sports people who are a bit worried about, oh, look, I'm going to, you know, how do I handle? Do I block people? Yeah. What do I do? Do I engage with them or do I let it go? Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if you go to any household or any pub in the country, people will be shouting at the telly. If you go to any yeah, other there's game, always two opinions, isn't there? Yeah, you people know? will be shouting their opinions yeah. of the players' life. Yeah. Twitter just allows it in a sort of digital platform. Um, 
and we've taken some really serious steps in order to make Twitter a sort of fun, secure, and safe place for our users and those sort of verified users and the sort of sports talent. So we've made it a lot easier to mute certain users okay. so they won't know they've actually been muted but they'll oh, okay. be they'll be spitting in the wind essentially their, their tweets won't be being read by that is that better than blocking someone it's a it's another step so if okay. you want to sort of just block them out mute them out for a little bit if they're getting on your back you can do that okay. we've also introduced um keyword blocking so you can go through and add a list of keywords that you just don't want to hear about if there's oh, people see. using certain words that you just don't want to see in your timeline or there's certain so um, profanities or something profanities you can put them or, in and all those tweets with that in it won't get through yeah they won't get through to you okay. and then you can take the step of blocking and reporting people and we have a round the clock service of people who are actually sort of reviewing those people who are being reported on blocks and if there are serious breaches of any of our terms or there are people being sort of abusive or threatening on the platform which we completely don't stand for okay. then we've got measures to remove those users right and what would happen then? Someone would get a warning, would they, that it do, they it, could have their privileges taken away it doesn't as a have user? To, I mean, it doesn't have to be a warning. We don't okay. have a strike system if they've broken our terms and conditions. But you decide they could go straight away or they could be warned could, or whatever, yeah, depending could, on the case. They could be removed and have their accounts. Yeah, well, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. What about um, country by countries around the world? I mean, how does Australia rank in terms of... Um, you, your particular area of interest, sports, you know, and, and do you get many learnings off your colleagues in sports around the world and, and vice versa? Do you share stuff here with other markets? Absolutely. So there's a counterpart who does my job. We've got a guy in Latin America. We've got a guy in Mexico. We've got three or four people out in the States, um, UK, Japan, uh, Spain. So we're pretty well sort of represented. And, I mean, Australia is one of the most vocal sporting communities in the world. And it's amazing for such a small country that we punch so hard. And that it's, I still find it phenomenal that you guys manage to keep up with so many sports and every book. People you speak to, they follow four or five professional teams. That's the absolute norm. Um, but it doesn't always translate because American sports coverage is very different to Australian sports coverage. But we do see a lot of imports. We see a huge amount of conversation in Australia around American sports. The NBA, the NFL um, drives massive amounts of conversation. Um, and then we look at someone like Japan who does things pretty differently. Okay. And they actually live broadcast sort of high school softball live on Twitter because that has like, it's almost like college ba- uh, NBA college right, okay. basketball in the States yes. it has that sort of raw emotion in it and it does huge numbers because they love that side of it so yeah we very much work um, across different countries but what will work in the UK um, won't necessarily work over here so we always sort of share learnings but we're also getting to the stage where we're working with partners like the EPL or Cricket Australia who Cricket Australia's content is going to be of real interest sort of this uh, Australian summer, yes. UK winter. So how can we actually stitch that up and how can we work together and how can we be smart about monetizing uh, Australian broadcasters' content in other markets? And that's a much bigger piece of the pie than just talking to the Australians. So, yeah, we're very much plugged in and we talk about the shared pain points, the, the, the shared wins and how we can make these sports more sort of global. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the revenues there and advertisers. Do... Can advertisers come to you and say, look, I've got a product, we'd like to reach out to a sports audience, and can you help them with that? Or do they really need to go to somebody who's got sports rights and then link up with their social there? No, it works. It works both ways. So we're working with a lot of the sports organisations who are really keen to monetize that content, and we've been working with sort of the top 200 advertisers in Australia for four, four and a bit years now. Okay. So we're able to go to them and say, hey, we've got this great um, set of series of content coming up, or we've got um, always-on content that they're looking to monetize, or we've got this fantastic audience 
that you want to be against. So we can then take that opportunity and plug them together. We've got a product called Amplify, which, um, say, for a great example is we do a lot of good work with Channel 7. They're a fantastic partner of ours. And right now with Wimbledon, they're sort of live tweeting great highlights. And then as people are coming on first thing in the morning, they're doing wrap-up videos. As you get that tweet promoted into the timeline, you get an advertiser pre-roll ahead of it, which pays for that content to be amplified out to a much bigger audience, and then we go into a revenue share sort of with Channel 7 as a rights holder yeah. for that advertising budget. So okay. that's one way of working. And then absolutely, we get um, brands coming to us and say, we would love to be around X and Y sports, or we'd love to reach this audience, or we love this athlete and everything he stands for. What can we orchestrate? And then we've got a great case to go and work with that team, athlete, or organization and say, hey, there's money on the table to amplify your content and take it to a bigger audience, and we can drive incremental cash into you. Yes, yeah, okay, good. Look, I want to ask you a little bit about the Premier League, and I'm certainly no expert here, and so I'm talking as a real novice. Sure. But it looks to, when I go on casually to look around, it looks, it's, it seems to be, um, there's no system. Like some clubs seem to be big on it, others don't seem to do much at all. Is there, it doesn't seem to have been adopted there as much as it maybe has been in some other codes. Would, that, would I be right? No, I wouldn't or, agree with that at all, no. actually. I think like, they, there doesn't seem to be system for hashtags for matches and things like that. Um, there are their there hashtags is. on in broadcast. So they yeah. put the, when the games are on TV, they have the hashtag included in there. During yeah. the half-time shows, they pull in but live the clubs tweets. don't always seem to use those hashtags. Or, uh, or is it sort of, am I maybe I think you're not maybe up to date? Yeah. Jump in at the beginning of the season. Okay. Now's a great time to sort of review that yeah. as we get the Okay. The sort of transfer rumours coming out yes. and the, the fixture list has been released and all the rumours are coming uh-huh. so now you'll see just how active they are and the players right. are incredibly active on the platform um, BT Sports and Sky Sports are very active on the platform and then great personalities like Gary Lineker sort of the anchorman for sort of British soccer oh, he's, he's great isn't he he's, he's a, fantastic he's, a, <laughs> he's unfiltered he would talk about his audience and there's some great <laughs> moments where you see him react on screen and then 10 seconds later you mm. see his tweet pop up mm. echoing those sentiments so <laughs> I th- I'd actually say the EPL are one of the strongest leagues in the world in terms oh, really? of Twitter adoption. They've okay. Partnered with I'll us have a closer look at that. Yeah. They've started, um, obviously, there's huge amounts of money around the rights, and they were traditionally quite protective yes. over that. Yeah. But now we've got to a stage where they're actually tweeting a couple of highlights per game okay. and pushing them onto Twitter, which is allowing sponsors to come on and sort of extend their reach when those users are on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, and it's not just for clubs. The amount of organic conversation that happens around the EPL uh, is absolutely phenomenal. So I would say, and that's just looking at the UK market then extrapolate that across um into the u.s and across into australia and then start talking about asia and it just goes phenomenal sure okay well i think i've finally got a team in the premier league who are you going for people always ask me i go oh i feel a bit crazy when I liverpool's say, oh, got plenty I haven't got room. one you know well, well no well, I, my son lives in manchester and i spend a lot of time up there mm. and um and i thought well i'm not going to go for man united or manchester city it's, yes it's, everyone does that so huddersfield are finally Back or in the EPL, I don't know if they've ever been in. The they first haven't. First time before. up in the top flight. Um, I think that they claim to fame is winning three back-to-back maybe FA Cups back in the twenties. Yeah, I think um, they've had a great promotion run. Yeah, so, so I think Huddersfield are going to be my new team. Good man, I think. That's and uh, my expectations are low. So, but I think you know any guy, any win is a massive. Um, yeah. You know. Well, Leicester City had only been in the, yeah. the league a couple of yeah. seasons before they won it. So yeah, you know. well they had a bit of a shocker though, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the year after, but they, they got up there. Didn't they? Yeah, fantastic. Now, okay, well, let's wind this up. Tell me a couple of the, the big events. You know, you've mentioned the Rugby League World Cup, I think, which yep. is coming up here, isn't it, um, after yeah. the season? Well, it's here in New Zealand and sort of Papua New Guinea, uh-huh. sort of um, starting October, November time. Yeah. Um, 
before that, Wimbledon's going great guns at the moment. At the moment yeah. And then we've got a couple of uh, more esports partnerships coming up. We've got a couple more um, wider sporting sort of live deals, which we'll be able to announce in the next couple of days. Um, and then we're through to final seasons for both the footy codes, which is big for us. Um, like I say, we've got um, Bathurst coming up, which we're looking to work really closely with those guys. Um, we've got those netball um, alternative tournaments were coming up, which I think will really broaden the appeal of the sport okay. going through. Uh, yeah, through to Melbourne Cup, and then we're into Ashes, and before we know it, we've got Australian Open again. So, sure. yeah, we're chock a lock. Yeah, fantastic. All right, Ollie, look, it's been great um, getting you in here today. It's been uh, fascinating hearing about, you know, Twitter and the sports and the, all the possibilities of um, what you guys offer. And um, I'll be sure I'll, I'll study the Premier League a bit harder now I've got a club. And... Um, Good luck for the what the Lions got one more game as we speak. This Saturday. They? This yeah. Saturday, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, we yeah. Could, Good luck. We can nick it out there, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. It should be a great game. Thank you. Thanks for having me.